Do the police have the wrong guy in the Delphi case? The suspect's attorneys think so. Did the Moscow, Idaho police botch the investigation? Quentin Simon's remains were found in a landfill. Mom's been charged. And then finally, our dumb criminal of the day. Let's talk about it. My name is Scott Reich, and this is Crime Talk. Thanks for watching. You know the drill. Subscribe if you haven't. Like if you do. Hit that little bell so you receive notifications of when we go live or put up new content. And remember, you can listen to us anytime by downloading us on your favorite podcasting app. Now, that little bell that we just talked about so that you know when we go live or put up new content. We're going live tonight, 6 p.m. Mountain Time, like we do every Tuesday night. We have a lot to talk about, not only what we talk about here, plus a bunch of other stories that frankly just haven't had time to basically uh, put up. So we'll be talking about them tonight. Please join us. Now remember, please support the people that support Crime Talk. Now go to crimetalksearch.com where you can do a background search. Well, you have to get the background subscription service so that you can do the search. And when you have that subscription service, you can do a background search on as many people as you desire. And when you type in the name of the person that you're searching for, literally in minutes while you wait, a report is going to be generated. And that report is going to be emailed to you and you'll have that at your fingertips. And then you can do with it what you please. But it's going to have information in there regarding civil judgments that someone may have against them, divorce records, uh, property records, are there liens or judgments against them? How about, um, you know, do they have to put themselves on one of those registries out there that you hear so much about? How about criminal history? We've had more people respond to us and said, hey, Scott, I was just getting ready to get to know this guy better. And I did a background search. And guess what? He was charged with doing bad things to children. I'm so glad that I found this. So hopefully, uh, you get the same results if they're there so that you know and that you can make the best decisions. So go to crimetalksearch.com. You will be happy you did. All right, let's go ahead and open the record for November 22nd, 2022. Well, Richard Matthew Allen, as we know, was formally charged with the two counts of murder on October 28th for the deaths of Libby German and Abby Williams that date back to February of 2017. Well, Judge Gull she decided to take the motion to release the court probable cause affidavit regarding the deaths of the two Delphi teenagers under advisement. The judge said that she will release an order at a future time during a hearing um, in the future. We'll have to wait and see. Anyway, the defense counsel has attempted to address bond, but the court set the matter for a bond hearing for February 17th for Mr. Allen. A January hearing was canceled and will be held at the same time as the February 17th hearing uh, for the preliminary hearing. Now, the prosecutors also were in court and they said that they have reason to believe that Mr. Allen is not the only one involved in the killings of Libby German and Abby Williams. Well, if they know that, I hope they get around to charging somebody. Just saying. Anyway, Andrew Baldwin, the defense attorney for Mr. Allen, said that, quote, our client is the wrong guy. He said that while standing outside the courtroom. And he said that the sealed probable cause affidavit is, quote, flimsy, end quote, and that you expect more than what I saw end quote. Yes. 
Now, Mr. Allen has two court-appointed attorneys. Both are very experienced. And when they say they expect that a little more, I'm going to take them at their word. So we're going to have to wait and see. Anyway, Mr. Baldwin said that Mr. Allen has professed his innocence to him, and uh, he was very emotional when he uh, did that. Now, as part of Mr. Allen's petition to be let out on bail, he claims that because neither the proof of guilt is evidence nor the presumption great, that he is entitled and is seeking release for a bond. Now, Mr. Allen's, Mr. Allen is asking for the court to either reduce his bail to a reasonable amount or to release him on his own recognizance. Mr. Allen obviously was under tight security when he was ushered in and out of the Carroll County Courthouse this morning. Now, a motion was also filed, a protection order, to keep all the legal parties and family members involved from speaking outside of the court. The hearing itself only lasted about 30 minutes, and uh, Mr. Allen was escorted out of the court. Uh, detectives with the Delphi Double Homicide Task Force, um, obviously, for those who do not know, uh, arrested Mr. Allen um, on October 26 when he was taken into custody um, at the Indiana State Police uh, Post, which is in West Lafayette, Indiana. He was taken to the Carroll County Jail and held there until Friday, October 28th, when he was transferred to the White County Jail. And then Allen was formally charged with two counts of murder on October 28th. And then he was transferred to the Indiana Department of Corrections. And apparently the request was approved to move him to a state facility uh, at some point. I think it was the judge. Anyway, the Indiana Department of Corrections has not revealed which facility uh, out of safety concerns. Now, on November 9th, several weeks ago, Mr. Allen requested a public defender because he did, yes, originally say, I want to retain private counsel, but frankly didn't realize how expensive those attorneys can be. Most people don't. Anyway, the court took a very quick action and appointed two attorneys to represent him. According to the records, Bradley Anthony Rossi is kind of the uh, co-lead counsel, and the uh, co-counsel also is Andrew Joseph Baldwin. Both of these attorneys are very, very experienced, and, um, well, Mr. Allen's getting two very experienced attorneys on a double homicide case at state expense. He did well. Frankly, I doubt he had the resources to hire uh, basically two experienced attorneys, which would probably cost hundreds of thousands of dollars to defend this case, not including expenses and, um, you know, maybe cost of experts as well. He did well. Now, the question then remains, if he can make a bond, does he still get court-appointed counsel? Usually, you only get court-appointed counsel if you are in custody. And then if you're out, you have to meet usually the state guidelines, which is basically that you are in the poverty level to qualify for the public defender. Although Mr. Allen may be, because I doubt he's going to have a job when he's all done. Anyway, um, Mr. Allen uh, had not been previously mentioned as a possible suspect in related to the Delphi homicides. And apparently Mr. Allen, who goes by Rick or Ricky, has lived in Delphi for the last 16 years, and his home is less than two miles from the Monon High Bridge. Uh, records do show that the um, Mr. Allen previously lived in Greenwood and in Mexico, Indiana. Mr. Allen is a licensed pharmacy technician, not a pharmacist, but a technician. And he received his Indiana 
pharmacy technician license in 2018 and is still active. Mr. Allen worked at the local CVS in Delphi, and as we've reported, he apparently developed some photos for Libby German's family shortly after uh, the killings, and her family said that Mr. Allen did not charge them for the photos. And Mr. Allen has no criminal history other than a couple of speeding tickets and a citation for not wearing a seatbelt. Now, Mr. Allen's trial is scheduled for March 20th at 9 a.m. We'll see if that actually goes. That, frankly, is going to depend on how many leads the defense needs to investigate to see whether they can actually go forward in March. Who knows? Maybe both of these attorneys have a clear schedule and they can say, let's go do March 20th. That would be great. All right, next on the docket, did the Moscow, Idaho police botch the investigation? We've asked this question before, but it's kind of starting to look like maybe things didn't go as well as they could have. So the Idaho police may have destroyed some evidence during their uh, investigation into the murders of the four college students. Now, apparently some unidentified sources and they haven't told me directly, so take it for what it's worth. Whether it's, I take everything with a grain of sight, a grain of salt. But apparently someone close to the investigation has described the efforts by the Moscow police as, quote, botched, end quote. Now, the department, according to the source, likely obliterated mountains of evidence at the scene by waiting too long to properly investigate. Now, these comments come as the police were basically seen Monday measuring tire tracks in the driveway of the home where the students were murdered a full six days after their bodies were discovered. Additionally, on Monday, officers appeared to expand the search of the area cordoned off of sections of woods behind the house as they searched for the murder weapon. Now, I'm not trying to say they messed it up. Maybe they did it and we just didn't see it all. Maybe they figure it's worth a Passover. Maybe they're just being thorough. We really don't know. So I'm not trying to throw the Moscow, Idaho police under the bus here. It just seems, like I mentioned yesterday, that there really wasn't a real sense of urgency um, on this case. And I hope I'm wrong, okay? And if the police get this thing totally correct, I'll be the first ones to say, you did it right. But when you don't let the people know what's going on and why you're doing it, it makes people think you're not doing a good job. It's just the way it is. Well, for those who don't know or don't recall, Kaylee Goncalves, Madison Mogan, Zaina Kernodal were all stabbed to death, uh, as long with uh, Zaina's boyfriend, Ethan Chapin, were all killed uh, last week. So that unidentified source basically said the reality of is, is that the evidence was likely obliterated. And if the police had done things correct, um, you know, those tire marks would have been photographed, measured and preserved on the day that the victims were discovered. Now, the time that elapsed between when the bodies were found and the forensic team returning to the crime scene maybe allowed crucial evidence to be corrupted by weather and other activity, people walking around, family trying to get in. Who knows? And with no suspect, no murder weapon, and little to no leads, you have to ask the question, what the heck are the police doing? And did they mess something up from the get-go? Now, when asked questions about where they were searching for a killer or about what the police thought 
The killer could stab four people to death without waking up the two other roommates in the house. Chief Fry gave a series of inconclusive answers. He said, quote, we're looking everywhere. Asked whether Moscow's proximity to Washington state, which the city directly borders, would qualify as a case as an interstate investigation. He said, I cannot comment on that. I'm not even aware. Well, police are asking residents and local businesses to scour surveillance video taken between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. on the night the four friends were murdered. And it's not clear why it's taken so long to narrow down the area of interest. A garbage truck filled with trash was allowed to collect a dumpster from the scene uh, before it was in fact searched. Um, the air made the search of the knife used in the gruesome attack that much more difficult, apparently. Uh, police have been searching for the knife. They refer to it as an edged weapon by the uh, chief of police. Um, and they're looking around trash counts in the area um, where the four students uh, were obviously found deceased. Cops have conducted apparently 90 interviews so far, and um, no suspects have in fact been identified. Police also have not confirmed if they have DNA from a uh, possible suspect but they have set up a mobile unit at the scene of the uh, crime scene to try to speed things up. We'll have to see how things go on this. I really just do not know. Now, can somebody walk into a house and commit quadruple murder with a knife? Apparently, yes, they can. Can they walk out undetected? Maybe. Apparently, thus far, they have. I just get the feeling like, you know, we're not being told everything, and I get it, we're not gonna know everything about the investigation, but the police kinda have the feeling, or given everybody the feeling that they don't really know much of anything at this point. And I'm not trying to say belittle them, I'm just saying they got nothing. No suspect, no motive, no weapon, no nothing. No defendant. Anyway, next on the docket, Quentin Simon has been found and guess what? Mom has been charged. That's right. Another mother of the year contestant. And yes, I am being facetious when I say that. So don't say she's a good mom. No, she's not a good mom. We'll give her the presumption of innocence, but she's not a good mom. So the mother of missing toddler, Quentin Simon, has been charged with his murder after human, after human remains, believed to be those of the little boy, were found in a Georgia landfill. Lilani Simon, she's only 22, she was arrested and charged on Monday in Chatham County, which is down there by uh, Savannah. Now, apparently, uh, Miss Simon was transported to the Chatham County Detention Center, where she will wait for a bond hearing. Police say they do not anticipate making other arrests in the case, as they believe that they have their woman or mom in this particular case. Now, Simon has been charged with malice murder, concealing the death of another person, false reporting, and making false statements in connection with the disappearance and death of her son. Now, the Chatham County Police Chief, Jeff Hadley, confirmed that they had found human remains on Friday with DNA analysis currently being conducted after a month-long search. Obviously, they feel somewhat confident that this was young Simon. Now, the... Uh, Chief did say that their teams went to the waste management landfill and they found to believe, and they found what they believe to be human remains. 
um, Friday afternoon. The FBI lab in Quantico, Virginia, confirmed that they are in fact human remains and additional testing, including DNA analysis, is being conducted and they have every reason to believe that this will confirm the remains are Quintons. Um, now, Simon reported that uh, Quinton went missing from their Savannah, Georgia home on October 5th. Like I said, his body had not been found up until last Friday. Now, according to police, Leilani's boyfriend, Danny Yunkin, was the last to see uh, the young child about 6 a.m. when he vanished. But it wasn't until after 9 a.m. that his mother actually reported him missing. Now, police suspected Quinton's body was placed in a dumpster and investigators had searched for his body in a nearby landfill. Now, Lalani, mom, was the prime suspect in the disappearance and presumed uh, the death of the 20-month-old child. Now, Child Protective Services also removed her two other children from her custody on October 12th of this year. Now, two weeks after Quinton's disappearance, Leilani and her mother, Billy Joe Joel, were at the Sting Rays, which is a restaurant or a bar, at a, uh, a beach bar in the nearby vacation town of Tybee Island. And apparently the family was out there drinking and hooping and hollering it up, having a good old time, instead of out searching for their son and grandson. Anyway, Quinton's mother had lost custody of him and his brother and had just been ordered by the state to start paying child support when Quinton vanished. A week beforehand, she was told she'd need to cough up about $150 a month for the boys. If one of them died, the bill would be reduced by 50 bucks. On October 5th, Quentin's mother claimed she woke up at 9.30 a.m. and found the door to the house open. Quentin, she said, was nowhere to be found. Now, Daniel Yunkin's stepfather told police he last saw the boy at 6 a.m. that morning. The family quickly fell under suspicion. Quinton's babysitter immediately voiced her concerns over his disappearance. She said that she thought it was strange that hours before he was reported missing, she was told not to come to work that day to look after him. Hmm. Interesting, right? Oh, and not to mention mom. What'd she do? She tried to pin it on the biological father who lives several miles away, saying that he's the one that was, you know, with the child. Well, he had a rock solid alibi and he was quickly ruled out. So I'm sure there's a special place in you know where when somebody obviously does bad things to a child and then tries to pin it on somebody else that's completely innocent. Just saying. We'll give her the presumption of innocence like we do everybody on this show. Next, our dumb criminal of the day. Please meet Stuart Rudolph Westerland. He's 72. Well, he was booked the other day in a detention center on a felony charge of battery on a person over the age of 65. Well, who could he have assaulted? That's right. His wife, 65-year-old Mary Kessler Westerland. She was also jailed in connection with the same altercation. Apparently, Mr. Westerland said he was uh, out golfing for the day, and on his way home, his vehicle was forced from the roadway to avoid a collision. Now, according to the police report, that's what he's saying, he said that out of anger, he decided to drive home even though both of his vehicle tires were non-functional. That's police language for flat tires. His decision ultimately led to 
more damage to the car. So when he got home, Stewart told his wife, who began to over, who began to argue over the damage to the vehicle. What's the logical thing to do? That's right. She bit his hand, leading to her arrest. Well, and then Stewart admitted that he retaliated when his hand was struck by his wife and did the logical thing, which was to strike her in the face. I'm just joking when I say that. You don't hit a woman. Anyway, the couple had apparently been drinking. The deputies noted that uh, it was hard to gather information to the uh, Mrs. Westerland because of her level of intoxication. And coincidentally, you know, past performance is indicative of future results. Apparently, Mrs. Westerland uh, was sentenced in 2019 to 10 days in jail after her second uh, DUI within a five-year period. Well, Mr. Westerland was arrested Friday in apparent uh, follow-up to the altercation. He was booked in jail um, and was released after posting a $100 bond. Just goes to show you, ladies and gentlemen, take a deep breath. Sure, you were forced off the road. I'm sure it had nothing to do with alcohol. No, he was not out drinking all day when he was forced off the road. But he said, no, I'm going to drive home because I know this is going to be bad. It's going to make more damage. It's going to upset the wife. That's going to result in a domestic violence. And then I'm going to get arrested and have to post a $100 bond. Oh, and by the way, he punched his wife. And now he's not going to be able to go home to the wife. Oh, doesn't that just seem exhausting? Maybe he could have just taken an Uber or something. No damage, no wife beating. No arrest, no bond, no attorney. Yes, that's right, Mr. Westland, you are a dumb criminal of the day. And your wife, it's a joint award. You both deserve it. All right, thanks for watching. I hope you're having a wonderful day, not just a great day. We'll see you tonight, 6 p.m. Mountain Time for our live show. See you then. <music>